Hi, everybody. I'm Joshua Danziger. And I'm Ethan Canfield. Today is Friday, June 11th, 2021. And this is The Young Perspective, where we talk about America's biggest political and social dilemmas from the eyes of two high schoolers. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Young Perspective. Just to remind everybody, this is summertime, so Ethan and I are posting bi-weekly now, uh, every other week, because we're away at sleepaway camp and we're doing things over the summer. So these are all pre-recorded episodes. Today, we're going to be taking a look into some of humanity's biggest questions. It's actually the part two to an episode we did a couple months ago, Philosophical Questions. So Ethan, you want to go ahead and start asking these crazy questions. Yeah. Just before I start, just want to remind you guys how this works. If you haven't listened to the first episode, you sh- first of all, you should listen to it. It's really good. But if you haven't, we both prepared, Josh and I, a couple of questions, about five each that are kind of big, open-ended philosophical questions about life, humanity, science, and sometimes even politics. And we'll ask each other them. We don't know each other's questions. I don't know Josh's. He doesn't know mine. So it's cold cut and you'll see what we have to say. All right. I'll start off. Josh, what would happen if a maximum income was implemented. So if you know the idea of minimum wage, if there was a maximum wage, what was what would happen if that was implemented in the US or a certain society? A maximum income? Yeah, so a maximum what, income. Like what are we talking here? What cap, a cap. Like a re- So let's say, you know, you couldn't you can't get paid more than this number. And would it would it be like a livable wage or no? Yeah, I mean I'm sure it wouldn't be some it would be a lot higher than the minimum income. It would I would say I mean, this wasn't included in the website we found it from, but let's just say the maximum income was right now $500,000 or a million dollars. Okay, so you can earn anything up to $500,000 a year. Uh, Well, to me, my biggest question is what would happen to all the money that people would make over that? So say you start a business and your business is making uh, $1,500,000 a year in, in profit. What would happen to that extra 500,000? In this theoretical society, I guess it would go to the government. Um, and it, it's a good strategy for the government uh, to implement social programs. So instead of you know taxing somebody on on the hundred million dollars which they're worth, you tax them or you just take everything over that million dollars a year. Uh, you know there have to be questions that are answered. Like say the value of your assets increase to over a million dollars. Well, do they seize some of those assets? So you say you have a stock. That was once worth eight hundred thousand dollars, and then one year it jumped to sixteen one point six million dollars. Do they seize you know six hundred thousand of that, or only when you liquidate it? You know, right? Yeah, well, that's really interesting because something like stocks or even just assets like house or cars does that count in your income? It's interesting though because like that's just your money, not your actual income. But things like stocks that are part of those those are part of your long term income, so that definitely has to take into account. And that can even if they do choose to take that money. It brings up the question, well, how do taxes work for maybe lower income people who don't make the cut? Do they still pay their uh, fair share? How does that work? Do people just pay how much they're over? It's interesting to think how that would actually end up working in businesses. Obviously, it makes sense for like a paid job. If you just work at an organization, you get paid this amount of money. It can't go over that. But if you're the head of a company or you own something or you do something like stocks or sell things, then you could actually make a lot more than that cut hypothetically. And that could raise a lot of problems. You also have a lot of ultra rich people will get very angry by this. I see the only real benefit for something like this is that it would help the government. But in turn, hopefully, if the government is run well, they will help and use that money to help out 
the poor income people, maybe give them more money or use that money to benefit certain parts of their life. Like let's say they can use this money in a city to increase uh, funding for schools or for libraries, public things that everyone takes use of. It'll be a lot of extra money going into the town's funds. You know, this may help the government um, and their tax dollars will like increase by, I can only imagine how much, uh, they'll make so much more money in taxes. But really, what right do they have to, the, to, to this money? The reason the government takes taxes is so they can, so, so those taxes can help run the government and so they can provide services and, and amenities to society. Theoretically, if they took you know, larger amounts of money, they could do more social programs. Uh, and, and this basically means that the welfare of the nation or the welfare of the people is, is over overrides the personal property of the individual, right? So they take everything over a million and that million goes to the government, which then helps the people, right? I mean, so that means the people have ownership in every person's salary. Uh, and to me, I look at that as, as some sort of theft. So to some degree, the, what it, the question needs to be asked, what's the goal of the government? The government, sh- should the government be to supri- provide security? Should it be to provide food and prosperity to education? Um, and these are questions that we grapple with every day, you know, public university, public health care, uh, you know, in, even in our non hypothetical society, we ask these questions. But in this hypothetical situation, it'd be, the government theoretically would be able to provide all these services um, and it would be an overarching, strong and restrictive government that would be taking unnecessary amounts of money from the people. Right. And this brings up the question, is this society a free market? I believe no, even though there is free markets below this value, once you get above that value, it's not a free market anymore. Therefore, it's not really that free. There are too much constraints to actually be considered, in my opinion, a free market. But it's something interesting to think about because we have the idea of a minimum wage. Why is there no such idea of a maximum wage? This makes me think a little bit about what each one of our rights is, because if the government takes everything over a certain cap, are they violating any of our rights? Uh, John Locke, I'm a big subscriber to this theory, said there's three natural rights. The right to life, a right to liberty or freedom, and a right to, a right to property. And these na- three natural rights become, come before any government. Uh, and the go- goal of the government should be, in part, to protect these natural rights. When you start ca- capping income at a million dollars, it's preventing people fr- from, from that liberty of making more. It's also you know, violating that right to, to freedom of possession and property. It's very interesting to think about. Definitely not something that I've really seen uh, in exactly this scenario uh, in large scale examples in history, but you can see it in some forms, uh, probably in some societies, just not in this exact way. Josh, do you have another question for me? I do. Do you think stricter laws will make a better world? That's an interesting question that's been seen throughout history. Do we add more laws? If we add more laws, that'll keep people more constricted, and then they won't do bad things. But then people say, well, the counter argument to that is if we just have more laws, people will be bound uh, as human nature to go against them and break the law. If there are less laws, then people will just be more likely just to live and go and just stay happy with what they have. I think that you can't go around and have no laws at all because that allows everyone to do anything. You just have an anarchy. But if you have so many laws that everything is so strict that people can barely live how they want to live, then you have a problem. So I think it's, it is a balance. You definitely have to find that balance. It's not about the strictness of the law. I feel like it's about what purpose do we want to find with these laws? If you ever add a law, you have to think, what is the purpose of this law? What's the benefit of it? Why are we having this? If there's a reason why, you're, why you want to have this law and it makes sense, if it benefits the people, then I think you should add it. But if it doesn't benefit the people, then there's no real need for it. 
you know, we kind of have examples in today's world of two similar societies that have different ways in which laws are enforced or stricter or less strict laws. So these societies that I'm thinking of are the U.S. and then Europe. In the U.S., a lot of law, uh, the country is a lot freer. You get punished after doing something, right? You're, you're, you're a lot of freedom to do it, but then the law comes and you get sued and you get punished. In Europe, there are a lot more laws and restrictions on doing things in the first place. So, so they don't allow things to happen. In America, we allow things to happen, and then then people are punished. Uh, so, so these restrictions in Europe uh, make it a lot harder for companies to you know to make defective products. For example, that's why it's much harder for a lot of drugs to be uh, approved in the European Union is because they spend a lot more time checking if these drugs are safe compared to the U.S., which says finds out well they're not safe. They've hurt a lot of people, so now we'll take them off the market. So right, it's interesting to see that they both both systems might work, but there are pros and cons to each side. It really brings down the idea of why do we have this law? If there's no real need for it, then don't have it. But if there is a need for it, then have it. I think that it kind of really just depends on the situation. It's hard to really categorize the entire world and every society into one statement. You see it works really with America, as Josh was saying, but it also works with Europe with their system. It kind of just depends on how you structure the society in the first place. And, and it comes down to what way you look at freedom. Should I have the freedom to, to do things that I want? A lot of people don't think laws should, should be enacted that restrict people from doing things that only hurt themselves. So a lot of people think that you should not impose a law saying that, you know, you can't, you can't do drugs or you can't, you can't drink alcohol or you, some people think you shouldn't impose law saying you have to wear a seatbelt because that is not hurting other people. That is only hurting yourself. And does that violate one's freedom? Is this all comes down to the way you look at the world and the way you look at personal rights and freedoms? Well, there's the whole idea that it's illegal to kill yourself. Obviously, there's no, there's no, what? Is it illegal to kill yourself? I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, there's no ramifications. Obviously, if you do kill yourself, and if you try and kill yourself, you're not going to go to jail for it. They're going to actually, you know, help you and try and mentally help you. But it is illegal to kill yourself because we don't want people to take their own lives. We think that's precious, and you don't actually have the right to take your own life. But it's interesting. That's your life. You should have the right to take it, some people argue. So it's just the idea of strictness versus not strictness. But who are we to impose our ideas of whether your life is, has value or who are we to impose the idea that you know our morals that say your life is precious on you? Shouldn't you be able to do whatever you want with yourself? I believe that everyone has the right to their own freedom and their right to decide what they do with their own life. But when you get to that state, you're not usually in a mentally stable state to actually make that decision in a, like a right way. If you know you could prove that you know you had some real reason to do it, then that's a different scenario. But obviously, there's some mental illness that you have that's causing you to do this, and so it doesn't make sense for you to actually be the person to decide that. So it makes sense that we have these systems in place to protect people, and so that they don't actually do something that they would have regretted if they did it. So it just makes sense in this scenario to protect yourself and have our government come in place and help these people with certain mental health organizations. But again, it just comes down to the idea of how much do we structure our society? Everyone's going to disagree on that. I think it just depends on what we're talking about. Obviously, it's different for every different law. Going back to like suicide, is euthanasia, should euthanasia be legal? You know, physician-assisted suicide for patients with incurable and painful diseases? I think it's, yeah, it says here that it's legal in 10 U.S. states and D.C. Um, looks like many of the liberal states. God. Hawaii, Maine, New Jersey, New Mexico, Vermont, Washington, Colorado. But uh, 
in those states, I guess they believe that you have the right to choose what you want to do with your life. If you're at that point where you already know you're going to die and it's so painful to live life, it should be up to you, I believe, to decide what to do with your own life. If you think that, you know, you already are going to die and there's no hope for you, that's obviously a terrible situation, very sad. But if that's what you want to do, I see that. I see why people could want that and why they would want the right to kill themselves or have someone help them kill themselves in that scenario. This brings me to my last question. To what extent do you shape your own destiny and how much is it down to fate? You know, do you really choose what's going to happen to you in life? It's a really interesting question. Obviously, we all have our own thoughts on fate and what happens in the universe. Some people believe that it's controlled by a god. Some people believe it's completely random. I kind of find myself a more random path that there might be some divine intervention, but I feel like that a lot of life is based on just random occurrence. However, I think that we can divide, we can choose our own fate in the sense that we can choose to do certain things, whether that's fate is not telling us to do that. I don't know. I don't know what some divine presence or randomness is telling me to do. All I know is what I can control and I can tell myself to not do something. I can tell myself to do something. It really just depends on self-control. And I think that however you view it, you can have the ability really to change your life. You can't change your life to, you know, a whole complete different stance in a lot of scenarios, but you can change a lot of different things in your life. So I think that in some ways, in a lot of ways, you can change your own fate. I grew up in a somewhat religious household where we always learned that there was a divine being that controlled fate uh, and, and destiny. But personally, I think I believe that we all make decisions in life based on the best opportunity and path at that time. Um, whether or not there's a divine being controlling that, I don't know. But does is destiny down to fate? Hundred percent. You know, you always hear those stories of of people who who found their their partner, their life partner, at a bar one day randomly. You know, or they met them on a train randomly. Everything is so random. There are especially like who you marry. You can marry. There's you're probably compatible with so many different people in the world. It's just who you meet at that time in your life. Um, and, and who you're, who you're lucky enough to meet people also like with jobs, sometimes people randomly met some, some guy at a party somewhere and he, that guy gave them their job or influenced their life. You know, if, if my parents went to one different university, I wouldn't be alive probably. Right. That's, and this can be applied not only to small things like marriage, but also massive things that change the whole world, like humanity. If some random cell hadn't been that exact place, at that exact time, who knows if, life would have first started or if one thing hadn't led to another who knows how evolution would have changed to create humans it's all random and it's all part of the whole universe's plan i guess and that's kind of like the idea of the scientific concept called entropy how with every new second in the universe the universe becomes more and more complex and random it's actually a property of thermodynamics entropy so like it's it's not like a theoretical idea. It is a scientific property that's that proves that the universe continually becomes more complex as time goes on. You know, if you think about it, uh, in, in one way I like to think about it is it becomes more complex. Like when you make a decision, the world splits into two. Every time I, I step, I decide to step here or there. There are two different opportunities or two different worlds that could have existed. Those worlds are increasing folds of, of, of complexity or entropy. Right. And it's all based on every single aspect of the universe. So imagine that step, but for seven and a half million people, and then also not just people, but every animal, every aspect of the world. Imagine how complicated that ends up becoming in the 
billions of years that we've had this universe, even more than that, really. So it just shows how crazy and complex everything is and how everything is so based on fate. To wrap up this episode, one of the takeaways I've, I've had is that it all comes down to the way you look at the world and the eyes from which you see um, humanity and existence uh, and freedom and liberty. That's going to bring a close to this week's episode of The Young Perspective. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying your summer. We're definitely having a lot of fun. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at the underscore young underscore perspective. Email us at EJ the young Perspective, And you can also check out our website, theyoungperspective.net. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And remember, this was The Young Perspective.